0: Ask any child, and they'll likely tell you that schooling is both a bore and a chore. I certainly felt that way for the first few years of my education, a sentiment that I kept until high school, when things at last started to become interesting. This seems to be an almost universal sentiment, and one that hasn't changed all that much in several centuries. But perhaps the worst aspect of schooling for a child is homework. While such assignments and exercises are to put into practice the lessons and skills we've learned in the classroom, to a kid, they're a necessary, albeit unwelcome, activity that simply takes away precious time from better, and more amusing exploits. Perhaps no child in history better exemplified such sentiments than the subject of today's episode. I'm Chester Sakamoto, your host, and today we'll be taking a look at the creative and artistic genius of a young boy in 13th century Russia, right here on the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. While much of Europe was plunged into economic and political chaos following the collapse of the Roman Empire in the 5th century AD, Eastern Europe in particular saw a flourishing of arts and culture. One such place was Novgorod, now Veliky Novgorod, in what's now northern Russia. The capital and administrative center of the Republic of the same name, it was established sometime in the 9th century and quickly grew rich from trade with the Norse to the west and the Byzantine Empire to the south. By the 13th century, a great walled city had arisen on the site, and its population saw a staggeringly high rate of literacy, a bona fide rarity for Europe in those days. This valuable life skill, unlike elsewhere on the continent, wasn't confined solely to the church or aristocracy, but extended to people of all social standings, both men and women alike. This remarkable statistic is attested to by the various birch bark documents that have been unearthed in the rich clay soil in and around the old city. As the Novgorodians didn't have access to paper as the ancient Egyptians or Chinese had, they relied on the bark of the birch tree, which grew plentifully in forests just outside the city. It was on such a material that the populace, both the elite and common people, recorded aspects of their daily lives using bone, wood, or metal styluses. A treasure trove of such bark documents, known simply as the Novgorod treasure trove, was found in a presumed former Novgorodian waste heap by Russian construction workers in the 1950s. Of the thousands of articles that have been unearthed since then, 17 of them are attributed to Onfim, a six or seven year old boy who lived sometime around 1220 or 1260, and are known for a fact to be homework assignments. But how do we know for certain that these 17 birch bark documents were homework assignments? The subject matter is a dead giveaway. The repetition of letters of the Novgorodian alphabet, a precursor to the Cyrillic alphabet used by most Eastern Slavic peoples today, syllables and Bible verses, namely psalms, to say nothing of the childish scrawl in which they're written, make it clear that these were meant as practice from a teacher to their students in preparation for the next day's lessons. Like school-age kids today, this was clearly seen as a chore, as proven by the material that fills the margins of Onfim's pages. There, scattered between the wise words of Christ and King Solomon, or else the pictographic letters of the Novgorodian alphabet, are fanciful drawings pulled straight from the child's imagination. In one particularly amusing portrait, a creature with a cap like head, a dragon's body, and what's either a forked tongue or spouted fire, proudly proclaims in the earliest form of a comic strip speech bubble that, quote, I am the wild beast, unquote. Beneath the creature's feet, words inscribed in a box have been translated as Greetings from Onfim to Danilo. The latter of whom was likely one of the boy's friends and classmates such adorable scribblings as these are proof positive that children as well as the classroom haven't changed all that much in eight hundred years who among us can honestly say that they never scribbled notes or doodles in the margins of their notebooks while the teacher droned on and on about a given subject It's a practice that young Onfim clearly knew well, as other etchings such as knights, horses, slain enemies, and weapons such as swords and arrows have all been found on his homework exercises. There's even a rather hilarious portrait of a man whom historians and archaeologists believe to have been Onfim's teacher. He towers above the children of his class, four fingers on each hand, from this it's thought that Onfim had yet to learn how to count, and wears what can best be described as a stern expression. In one Bible verse exercise, there's even a line in which the boy begs, quote, Lord, help your servant Onfim. These melodramatic words are accompanied by a fanciful illustration of a child, likely Onfim himself, standing before what appears to be a demonic flaming warrior on horseback. From such doodles as these, it's clear that Onfim had a vivid and active imagination, one that he wasn't afraid to show in the margins of his homework sadly after these seventeen known birch bark documents all evidence of little onfim disappears from the novgorodian historic record what fate ultimately befell him or whatever became of him remains a mystery as historians have placed the time period of these homework assignments as anywhere between 1220 and 1260 it's quite possible that he either fought in a conflict likely the Battle of Lake Paipas, or the Battle on the Ice in 1242, in which Prince Alexander Nevsky of Novgorod squared off against the Grand Principality of Vladimir to the southeast to determine whether Eastern Orthodoxy or Western Catholicism will be the reigning religion of the region, or became a knight. Most boys in Novgorod were expected to become knights, priests, or merchants when they grew up, and based upon Onfim's clear fascination with knights, as proven by some of his more detailed drawings, it's possible that his childhood passion carried over into adulthood. However, at least at this time, there's absolutely no certain evidence to conclude what became of him, though the possibilities have led to much speculation since his homework was discovered in the 1950s. What I personally find to be most intriguing about Onfim's story is that it allows us to see what life was like for the average person in the past. Much of the history we learn in school has been carried down to us in the form of official court documents from various countries or empires. In other words, they were initially written by the elite and for the elite, thus elucidating the culture and customs of a given nation, but with little room for the average Joe or Jane to speak for themselves. The Novgorodian birchbark documents change that, giving us a living, more human history that directly connects us with the regular people who came before us. While I love all history, it's moments, glimpses like these that are not only humbling, but also a veritable link between past and present that remind us of just how little humanity has changed. Some things are truly universal no matter the country or time period, and Onfim's story serves as a reminder of that. Thank you so much for listening to this quick episode about a boy and his homework. I enjoyed this one, as it truly took me back to my own childhood days and allowed me to reminisce about the doodles I'd make in the margins of my school notebooks. Ah, those were truly golden times. If you like this episode and would like to hear more from me in the future, please consider supporting this podcast. You can do so by visiting podcasters.spotify.com forward slash pod forward slash show forward slash history loves company, all one word, and click the support button which will take you to three monthly support plans that fit any budget or financial situation. Listening and sharing also helps spread the word, so please do so on all podcast streaming platforms. Join me again next week for a special Memorial Day episode as we explore one of the most important and oft-forgotten battles of the Great War, World War I, right here on the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. This is Chester Sakamoto signing off. See you next time, and have a great weekend.